good news everyone talking futurama is coming back for talking futurama season two part two fresher than a summer ham this podcast comes every friday and if you sign up at the five dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you can hear each episode as it goes live that's right sign up today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons for five dollars to hear talking futurama every friday throughout the rest of 2020 and also all the previous episodes we've done so far so head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons now or we're gonna clamp you shut up and take my money i heartily endorse this event or product Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that's full of shocking story twists and endless pillow talk. I'm one of your hosts, local lug Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. Why, it's Henry Gilbert, and this week's podcast notes are printed on Goldenrod. And who is our special guest on the line? This is Lewis Peitzman. And today's episode is Pygmolian. This guy here, this is the guy. <laughs> Today's episode aired on February 27th, 2000, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby! Pokemon Stadium is released for the Nintendo 64, a favorite movie of mine, Wonder Boys, is released in theaters, and Shakira's MTV Unplugged CD is released in record stores. Hmm. An eventful week of things. That Wonder wh- Boys, that's some sort of uh, Marvel... <laughs> Yeah. Marvel property, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Well, I mean, he tried to write the script for Spider-Man 2, Michael mm. Chabon did, but Chabon, I always mispronounce it, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, Wonder Boys is uh, re- it was a really great movie. I like it's a re- get this Bob. A writer wrote a book about writers and writing. I don't think that's happened before. <laughs> but wait, there might be w- one short story by Stephen King. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a really good movie based on a really good book too. Uh, it was like one of Robert Downey Jr.'s first things after getting out of prison. I hmm. think it was, and you got Tobey Maguire pre Spider Man. If you wanted to see a movie where. Iron Man has sex with Spider-Man. Well, <laughs> you just might see it in Wonder Boys. Did they wear the costumes? <laughs> they hadn't be- yet been cast okay. in that, unfortunately. With CGI, you can make it happen. <laughs> I really appreciate your take on history. Uh, this is a very... I, I mean, most people might not call those historical events, but I would consider the release of that movie and of the Shakira album to be in po- important on history. Pokemon Stadium as well, right? Yes, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. You mentioned that as well. <laughs> very important. Uh, was that like the last MTV Unplugged that was a big deal with Shakira's? I hmm. feel like there weren't any after it. I, not even that, though I mean, I had aged out of the MTV age, I guess, after I was 20 after the, this album came out, so. I only, the only one that I remember that I was very into was the Dashboard Confessional one. Yeah, that one is very, very popular. Oh, I did not. All right. That's how out of it I was. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how cool that is, but it was incredibly important to me at the time. And, and, and still. It's the one I think of after the Nirvana one. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of my favorites to go back to after his passing was the George Michael one, like his the unplugged freedom he did. Right. Was, yeah. Uh, was, or was that just on an MTV Awards? Well, anyway, <laughs> about uh, one other thing I want to say about Wonder Boys though was so I saw it in theaters with with my mom as, as as a good gay boy taking to a movie, and it was and it was nice to be like, oh, this movie's kind of gay. I like hmm. that. But when I finally read the book, I read the book like a decade after I saw the movie, and when I read the book, I got to realize that like I think. 
think Michael Douglas insisted that his character get like 10% cooler in the movie because in, in the book his character is just like a straight up loser like mm. he's just a total loser in the book but in the movie he kind of he has he's a bit more assertive I think yeah. it's uh, if you've never seen it a good movie this is a Wonder Boys podcast now <laughs> <laughs> I guess at some point in about 10 years we're out of Simpsons then we can move on to Wonder Boys page by page <laughs> Uh, but yes, welcome back, Lewis Peitzman. Thanks again for Thank coming. Thank you for back. having me. Uh, how's it, you know, going? Have you been watching any Simpsons in this in this time of to relax? Funny, you should you should ask. I watch The Simpsons every night before bed. I uh, I fall asleep to it every night. I used to be a strict like Golden Girls before bed person, and I have transitioned ever since Disney Plus started. I've become full Simpsons before bed. Wow. Hmm. Do you uh, do you stay up through the whole thing, or do you sometimes nod off while it's playing? Oh, it, it, it's I fully fall asleep during it. I, I watch maybe, you know, this is after I've taken my nightly clonopin. So I, I get about 10, 10 minutes in before passing out. I, you know, I'm I'm up to season 24 now and I've never seen these episodes. So <laughs> I, uh, it's it, it's wild. It's like, you... you know, I catch little bits of episodes and I'm surprised by what I'm seeing and hearing. And, and then I fall asleep. Are you like quoting season 24 and people are asking you like, what did Homer say that? <laughs> I don't remember this. I, I mean, I may. Maybe, I am maybe subconsciously taking in things from these episodes and repeating them, but mm. I, I'm i not consciously quoting it yet. Sometimes with a season 24 episode, you can't be sure if you dreamed it or if it really happened. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really, you know, the, I, I having half watched a lot of it now. I'm, these seasons are very unfamiliar to me. There are there are times when I genuinely enjoy it. It's just it's all so high concept. It's also you know it kind of the, every episode sort of feels a little bit like a Treehouse of Horror episode that I I, I can't always tell what I'm watching, and it's an <laughs> it's a good place to be before before sleep. It's good to watch in that kind of like dreamy clonopin state. I'm gonna have to try this, but I'll, but only after I get prescribed clonopin. My videos yeah, of choice, as, as prescribed, as prescribed. I guess my sleepy time videos of choice are people with froggy voices narrating video game footage. <laughs> uh, I used to in the summertime. I more nap to Simpsons mm. uh, in the past. Uh, there just uh, be too many laughs for me. <laughs> I couldn't fall asleep. Uh, well, and also, Lewis, I, I wonder with this episode that's, uh, you know, about plastic surgery, one of the many things you, you cover as a, as a media critic, like uh, you, you're you a chronicler of the real housewives. So so I am curious, like, what, what do you feel is like the feeling or general stigma to plastic surgery these days as compared to when this episode aired 20 years ago? I don't know. I was thinking about this because I feel like men having plastic surgery is still not really discuss that much but i also think that plastic surgery in general has become kind of less of a of a topic of discussion we only really bring it up when it's like egregiously bad you know you only really talk about it when you see something that you simply can't not remark on i think we've kind of accepted it as part of our culture and people also do a lot more of you know fillers and and things that are milder so you don't really you know it's yeah. it's not exactly subtle but it's also kind of just part of the look of a lot of of even much younger celebrities today it, it feels less like some, it's not you know i don't i don't know if it's it's anywhere near as controversial as it was uh at the time 
Yeah, I, this is not my own thought, but people make all of the jokes like, oh, you know, Paul Rudd never ages. And on a podcast, somebody said once, um, no, no, he just gets lots of like very subtle good treatments to his face. That's why he never ages. It's all it's like I'm not saying this is like something he's doing that I know of, but it's very possible. We just don't think of men being the type of people who do that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I think there are also um, even even with the sort of advancements that I'm sure we've made in plastic surgery, the idea of getting a totally new face is still not really a thing, which is so sad because um, not 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 in a self-deprecating way if I want a new face, <laughs> but um, I just like always thought it was so cool that Mo got a totally different face. I mean, imagine if we could do that in a non-face-off way. He got new hair. He got new posture. Uh, they fixed he got new clothes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it was uh, Julie Klausner, I believe, uh, the comedy writer, actress, great, funny person. She had this uh, thought I always remember about plastic surgery. It's like, every famous person gets plastic surgery. It's only the bad ones you notice. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, when I think of famous men who people talk about plastic surgery with, it's like, Definitely Kenny Rogers, the late Kenny Rogers. Uh, people talked a lot about that. I think Nick Cage's face doesn't yeah. always... It's more his hair, though, really. like the, I mean, Robert the, Evans. Oh, Robert Evans. I mean, yeah, come on. Did he get plastic surgery? Yeah, I think he did. You bet he did. You bet he did. Would he ever do it again? You bet your life on it. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I think uh, I I think it's a little less stigmatized. I remember I was it was it Renee Zellweger who made an appearance and just was like unrecognizable to people recently, and people were like, yeah, I, I mean, that was that was a few years back. I mean, she had gotten some fillers, I guess, that hadn't settled right um, or whatever it was, and and she got mocked. But then there was all the pushback. Yeah, know, people being like, how dare you? Because you know you. Create created this industry with impossible beauty standards and then you're now criticizing someone for trying to keep up with them you can't even you know mock plastic surgery anymore and 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 you know cancel culture has gone too far <laughs> yeah that it feels so different like when this episode aired it was so normal on like you know an afternoon on e-news you would just see like plastic surgery fails like the most fa like it, it, like and some really cruel stuff said <laughs> about some people uh yeah i think that's, that's now and to be clear the cancel culture comment was ironic in yes, case yes, anyone yes. Oh, yeah. is out of text and, and then cancels me there are there is like an industry of like you know these shows like botched about like plastic surgery gone wrong now but it's much more sympathetic toward people who have had you know procedures that didn't go the way they wanted them to it's much more about like how can we help people whereas you know a couple decades ago we had the swan a show that mm. is so dystopian right. i don't know if people have you know i feel like people have repressed it um <laughs> but it you know for those who don't know it was a show in which women who thought they were ugly did kind of do the pygmalion thing and get and get fully new faces they got like new faces and new bodies and then competed in a beauty pageant and there was this weird i mean it was so dark such a bleak concept and like a real uncanny valley thing of like seeing these sort of like overdone women because it's not like it was bad work but it was just so much at once it was like, you know, really, we're going to give you a completely different face, hmm. which so I guess I guess maybe that does exist. But it, it, only if you're willing to have like 25 procedures done at a time. And uh, this this episode, the, the pitch of it apparently was even more about plastic surgery because the uh, Larry Doyle, the writer of the episode on the commentary, said the original pitch was the first act would be 
Homer buys Marge breast implants for her birthday and she rejects those. Like he, he gives her like the literal implants. Yeah. Like he's like, here, I bought these. You can get them put in. Marge turns it down. And oh, don't worry. The real breast implant episode is still on its way. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but so instead Homer trades it in for facial surgery for Mo at hmm. the same place. And a uh, factoid about Larry Doyle in this commentary, he had just written the hit book. I love you, Beth Cooper. Oh. And the movie was about to be made, uh, starting paul rust playing the world's oldest high school student uh of 28 i love paul rust uh i guess movie stardom was not in the cards for him uh, the world's he... oldest high school student is stockard channing in greece but oh that is a second damn you're right uh, that's not, not just objectively true she was like 35 wow yeah yeah but that movie um i'm glad uh he found a comedy i mean i think i think he was still you know he was doing his comedy thing but Nobody talks about the movie. Nobody likes it. It was not the Mean Girls of its time. No one remembers it. But Larry Doyle did write the book, which became the movie that he also wrote. Paul Rust. Congrats to him. Yeah. Paul Rust is a very funny guy. Like I, I love him I, on any improv yeah, uh, podcast. Yeah, he's as when Hayden Panettiere was like the it girl at the time. Instead of stuff's been weird for her. I haven't kept up with it, but it yeah. sounds like things are weird. He sounds weirdly down about his book on the commentaries. Like you can get it on eBay for a penny. <laughs> so. So, uh, uh, he also jokes about like, oh, you guys are rewriting the my script now, aren't you? Like, <laughs> the, and also they, uh, Mark Kirkland was on it, and he talked about how they. Uh, often they let Mo get off model because he the more hideous he is the better but in this one yeah. they were strictly on model I feel like they finally hit upon something in this episode like just looking at the character and saying you know what Mo is so ugly and you know what's even uglier <laughs> any character facing the camera this yeah, entire episode yeah. it hinges on how ugly Simpsons characters are when they face the camera true which became like a you know it was like what a twitter thing oh front facing simpsons yeah yeah, yeah it was very much a thing but i do appreciate it because you know you, you can I, it's it's amazing that i never noticed until this episode how hideous mo was and then as soon as it's pointed out it is largely the front facing thing but everything from you know including his little cauliflower ears it's just it's a deeply upsetting caricature of a man yeah i just feel bad for poor rich hall who mo was yes. patterned after the comedian uh if you don't know who he is look just google a picture of him he's mo yeah he is mo uh i also remember that uh producer on the show mike reese got offended once and somebody said like oh mo's based on you right he's like how <laughs> dare you uh he's he's mike, mr bergstrom yeah that's Sorry. right yeah mike reese is mr bergstrom that's who he is uh, that that's who they intentionally drew him to look like uh but yeah so the episode begins with a very like kind of tracy ullman short opening of homer not for a bomb shelter like in the tracy ullman thing but he wakes everybody up with a fire alarm uh, and homer is so committed to this fire alarm thing that he, when he's alone in the hallway he acts scared like so he's he's really committed to this lisa you know she's shaken awake and i love seeing her grab her perfect attendance award like that's such a nothing award <laughs> and that she should really have a more valuable award than that well clearly marge played the arcade game the simpsons she knows what's important to her the vacuum cleaner <laughs> vacuum cleaner. and i guess she can throw a snowball too like you yeah, can in the game yeah <laughs> i appreciate the amount of preparation that homer did here it's like it's like almost out of character the the, the work he puts into this and, and, and his commitment to the bit. He even he even has the car parked in the middle of the lawn, not <laughs> even in the near next 
door driveway like it would be easy to just pull out of the driveway but instead it's on the lawn i totally missed that i i, I love all of the staging of this like the dutch angles when lisa wakes up you see her feet shoot into the air first before her the rest of her body rises up yeah i, I also love homer like shouting like he for real says this is not a drill like he's <laughs> uh he's extra jerk ass especially even when marge tells him like you did an awful thing he's like i know i'm a character then homer has found a new love of polka as he takes them uh, as he announces where they're headed good work everyone we're sure to be first in line for tough days you set off the smoke alarm to rush us to a beer festival <laughs> i know i'm a character <laughs> now a little beer music to get in the mood <laughs> I only made you listen to so much polka there. I I actually like polka. (laughs) I grew up in a town with a big Polish population and there were two AM polka stations. So I have a lot of affinity for hearing polka music because it happened a lot. I grew up with Weird Al, so I feel much the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, it's heartwarming. I This whole Oktoberfest feel of it, it makes me feel like it's Scully pulling from his New England roots there. I don't know. I, I didn't grow up with uh, any polka or Oktoberfest going on in, in Southern Florida. Hmm. So I, I don't know how uh, how regular these Oktoberfest type things are. Though I like that it's all Duff and it's run by Duff, this Duff Days thing. It's there's You get a little flavor of Duff Gardens here, I will say. <laughs> I only wish Homer was more drunk during this. He's surprisingly sober uh, acting throughout this entire thing. He should be just tanked and being dragged out. He's very coherent. I mean, given that they have they have the whole designated driver area and you're assuming, you know, the worst kind of drunkenness, but he's never really that s- sloppy. Yeah, it's true. He gets he gets drunker later in the episode. There's no for an episode that's about Mo, Homer doesn't drink as much as you think he would in this one. Also, I like the the action on Homer saying looking for these. That feels exactly like how in uh, how Marge in Miracle and Evergreen Terrace says, and I've got all your alarm clocks. And oh, just shifts right. them back and forth too. And yeah, this episode has a lot of callbacks. And that starts with the s- two of the seven duffs are back in here. Yeah, a lot of new lore too we'll get to. Yeah. I wish uh, Surly is a little too nice. Like he should be fighting back on Homer there. That's true. He could be in recovery. We don't know. <laughs> are there, we, we have to assume there are multiple people playing Surly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe the guy from Duff Gardens was like a method actor when it came to being Surly. <laughs> Uh, the, well, then the new guy they cast as Surly looks exactly like him, though. But <laughs> There's a type. Yeah, it's a type. Uh, but yes, as they arrive, we get to hear from Surly, and Marge gets to go to a rock and fun zone. Drink Duff! Responsibly. Drink Duff! Responsibly. Now, which one of you is our designated driver? Uh, uh, twist uh, off, uh, damn it! I guess I'll be driving. Right this way to the Duff designated driver's rockin' fun zone. Rockin' fun zone? That sounds fun. <laughs> I don't see the need for razor wire. Ooh, there's Ulysses S. Grant, Babe Ruth, Ben Franklin. Early to be. <laughs> You think you think you're better than me? They really got like the perfect drunk quote because I've heard drunk say that. 
oh, out really? loud <laughs> maybe more than four times in my life. They uh, this feels to me a little like the Duff Gardens president's gag. That is too, true, but I I do love seeing the Babe Ruth robot trying to like seemingly spontaneously pick a fight with the Ben Franklin robot. And yeah, I looked this up on uh, you know Ben Franklin. He was a distiller. Uh, so I read several articles like the biggest drinkers of the founding fathers. Ben Franklin doesn't compare to like John Adams apparently drank way more than him. That's because but. all the water was poison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just die of dysentery if you drank any water. So couldn't afford not to drink. Exactly. <laughs> uh, though Ben Franklin was the horniest of the founding oh, fathers. Oh, it's true. Though. Yes. Yeah. And, and like all but three of the founding fathers, he also owned slaves. But I will say... He was a strong abolitionist in his later years, unlike a lot of other founding fathers. But I believe uh, from looking it up, the only founding fathers who did not own slaves were John Adams, Samuel Adams, and Thomas Paine. Mm. All the rest at one point or another owned slaves. Not to bring people down. Uh, oh, and the Ulysses S. Grant stuff. I looked that up. Apparently, it actually was in the news recently because mm. uh, the good old president, he was he made some, <laughs> he said something about tr uh, Grant being drunk and so the washington really? post had to say like oh is he though like yeah so trump in 2018 he sort of misquoted a thing that lincoln said about grant like lincoln had said about grant like oh if he's drinking too much then i need to send that liquor to all the other generals so they mm. can be just as winning as him like but apparently in grant's like when he was alive newspapers were uh saying like is this guy a drunk he shouldn't be president <laughs> like so uh like it is not one of those things you find out later mm. after posthumously like he was called an alcohol apparently in 1854 he was l discharged from the military briefly because of his intoxication which like if you're too drunk for 1854 yeah. how drunk can you be like but uh but then he won two presidencies so hey must uh must have cleaned it up eventually <laughs> That's an impressive attention to detail. Yeah, I, I'm frankly sick of all these teetotaler presidents. They're not human. <laughs> uh, you know that. Biden, I mean, Bush, was, I understand. Yes, he yeah. was in recovery. He was an alcoholic. Trump is just a, a psycho. As I've said about Joe Biden, I think he'd have a beer with me anytime, and mm. that's all. Uh, that's the only reason I'm voting. <laughs> He's for got him. my vote. Yeah. <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rockin' Fun Zone break of this week's Talking Simpsons. A big thank you to our guest, Lewis Peitzman. Always fun to have him back on the show. Follow him on Twitter, read his stuff. He is a really great writer and expert in the world of entertainment. And if you enjoy this podcast, you should really consider signing up for our Patreon, because this is a Patreon-sponsored podcast. Thanks to listeners just like yourself, me and Bob are able to do this full-time. $5 and up subscribers not only get the peace of mind of helping us, but they also get a ton of extras. You can hear next week's Talking Simpsons right now, and without ads like this one if you were a $5 and up subscriber. And the same is true about our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where we cover a different animated series each week in the Talking Simpsons style, and you can hear 
that a week ahead of time and ad free for the same money. Plus, you get access to a ton of exclusive podcasts you can only hear if you're a Patreon subscriber. Ones where we cover shows like The Critic, King of the Hill, and Mission Hill in the same way as The Simpsons. And coming very soon is our newest miniseries, the second half of the second season of Futurama. Yes, Talking Futurama will be back very soon when you're listening to this. And if you're a $5 up subscriber, you can hear us go through the rest of season two. Some really funny episodes in there. So please consider subscribing. And if you want something as nice as a pink balloon, even nicer, I'd say, you should sign up at the $10 level. That premium level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons gets you all of the $5 stuff I just talked about. And then you get our monthly What a Cartoon Movie Podcast. Me and Bob covering a different animated feature film in the same way we cover Simpsons and other cartoons on a regular podcast. Often we go over four hours long talking about a different animated feature film each month our most recent one you're gonna hear this month is scooby-doo on zombie island and coming up next month wallace and gromit curse of the were rabbit and if you sign up you also get over a hundred hours of the previous ones we've done over the last two years films as diverse as a goofy movie beavis and butthead do america akira Kiki's Delivery Service, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Space Jam, and more. You want to hear all of those. If you become a $10 and up subscriber, you definitely can. So please consider going up to the premium level today at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. So Homer trying to rip off Surly's head is pretty uh, pretty funny. I like that. And, and that Marge is locked in a pen with barbed wire, which uh, George Meyer on the commentary, he even kind of pedantically points out like, hey, that's not razor wire. That's barbed wire. You guys drew the wrong wire. I really want to know uh, who Skinner, Apu, and Kirk Van Houten went to the uh, Duff days with because yeah. they're all I'm in there. very surprised to see Apu there. Yeah, yeah, was Manjula getting soused? I guess so. I, well, and who they get to babysit their eight children? anyway <laughs> maybe he chose that just to be away from his eight children could be <laughs> they can't get him <laughs> in there he looks so sad though yeah he seems that he does seem more imprisoned than uh choosing to be there uh then we get a bit of a gyrosphere humor as bart is uh gets to experience what it's like to be drunk by being dizzy i want to see him ride that with the beer goggles on <laughs> So he can wow. hit on a family member and be drunk with Millhouse. Well, you're right. This is hitting a lot of Duff Gardens jokes from <laughs> season three. <laughs> hey, it was it was eight years. Uh, Millhouse never gets to do drunk acting, or you know, Pamela Hayden doesn't get to do drunk acting as Millhouse too much. So she does it pretty funny there. Uh, I've never been in a gyrosphere. Those things scare me. Also, they look kind of painful. But uh, I guess uh, either of you guys been in one? It's something that I remember wanting to do as a kid and knowing that I would be very nauseated if I did. So I don't think that. I- it actually ever happened. It never appealed to me. And on the commentary, Carolyn Omine says it's actually a lot of work. You actually have to move your body to keep it going. Ah, oh, that's bullshit. Yeah. Well, not, I definitely am glad I didn't do it. That sounds <laughs> terrible. They'll seem uh, to be in like every mall up until a certain point in time. Yeah. Maybe there's now, I mean, when malls eventually are open and functioning again, maybe it's just an entire like hallway of those because now there are just like rides in malls because there's nobody shopping in them. Mm-hmm. Tons of VR headsets as yeah. well. Yeah. Lots of, uh, now this could be an offensive term, but in Ohio we call it cornhole. 
<laughs> That's throwing beanbags into a, a slotted board. Got it. We all we all were all familiar with cornhole. Yeah, there are <laughs> cornhole courts in my local mall now. When I went there last time, wow. Henry looked shocked when I said that. Sorry, it, it, where I grew up in Florida, it was just called like you know beanbag tic tac toe oh, no. or whatever. We never cornhole was never. And said. believe me, we all made the jokes. Okay, <laughs> at least you were aware of it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, after after some fun. You know what? Actually, they this is the fourth fair they've gone to this season. This is like the food. They did the food fair. They did the fair with the faith healing tent. Um, there was another fair after that. <laughs> I know there was. And then but this one. Can we talk about the, the state unfair? That's right. That yeah. was the one. So, yeah, that's four four fairs in season 11. That's it's, a lot. <laughs> it's just like a great set piece for little jokes. Like, what's at this booth? Who, who's attending this? Yeah. What's this show? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's uh, more fairs. More fairs in general. <laughs> and uh, the main event of the fair, though, is the Beer Tender uh, Championship, which that feels like a funny bit of just corporatism that, uh, that Duff is like, no, we can't just say bartender. It's a beer tender. Uh, and we get to see... Good old Duffman back again. All right, Springfield. Rally up for the Duff Beer Tender of the Year contest. Now, fresh from his appearance before the House Subcommittee on Teenage Alcoholism, <laughs> Duffman. Are you ready for some Duff love? All right. Today, we're going to find out which of these bartenders has the right stuff to dispense Duff. From the Green Potato Pub at O'Hare International Airport, Michael Finn. From Juggernauts in Hollywood, California, Titania. And now, the local lug who fills your mug with the drug you chug. Oh, yeah. Give it up for Mo Sislak. Hello, Springfield. How you... Hearing the Titani stuff uh, free of the images, I'm like, boy, this is horny. They had fun drawing her. Yeah, I, I'm impressed that they, they so they flew people out from all over for this for this fair. But only those two. Mo yeah. is the local guy. I, well, right, but 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 still, they put some money into this. I thought a lot about the joke about the Irish pub in an airport, and I thought it was very funny. Just I, like anytime anything in an airport tries to have culture, yeah. it's it's just very silly. Although I would die to go drink in an Irish pub in an airport right now. <laughs> And you will. You would die if you. No, sorry. It's true. It's true. Uh, we all we're both reaching for the same. Uh, put it in my veins, as Barney would say. <laughs> this was when I finally got that joke that like this very Irish beer tender who you think came from Ireland. He's from Chicago's airport. Like yeah. he lives in Chicago. I think Titania might be the most like boobage the show ever did. I think. Yeah, <laughs> the way the way her breasts move like very realistically is uh, they're having fun with her. Yeah, I think. it's uh, I know. Oh, you know, in season 14, they introduced the character of Boobarella, who they... <laughs> She's which, based on an established boob lady, though. Yes, yeah. The, yes, you don't need to ask animators twice to draw realistic breasts. They, 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 and did you know Duffman dated Boobarella as well? I found out. Wow, wow. And uh, yeah, they talk... Uh, Scully mentions something interesting on the commentary that they have that little scene of Mo nervous backstage so you could feel any amount of empathy for him that you normally wouldn't feel. If Mo just came out and you didn't see that he was nervous, you wouldn't care as much for him yeah. as you usually would. You have to humiliate Mo first yes. before you can love him. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, they're very proud of getting... 
tit Tanya on the show as well. But um, it's a Shakespeare reference. Them. I mean, that's you know a real a real achievement. <laughs> uh, they were trying. They were just trying to keep up with Family Guy and South Park. They're like, we gotta. They they're getting away with all this stuff. We gotta do it. That's too. highbrow Fox content in the '90s. <laughs> oh no, 2000. I'm sorry. Yeah, we were finally we're out of the '90s. Can you believe it? Uh, and so then we get to see the characters pour beer in different ways. Uh, they're playing the Georgia Satellites version of Hippie Hippie Shake, which is from the bartending classic Cocktail. Okay. So that's why they chose it. The uh, Though I think most people know the Beatles version of it, though that was just a cover too. But I I wondered why they use it. Like, I'm not, I don't know Cocktail very well. I've seen, I've seen like three gifts of Tom Cruise spinning a bottle and I'm like, I've seen the film Cocktail now. <laughs> that's all you need to know, really. Yeah. Though I think the Irish guy should win the competition. That like gravity defying poor that's the best like i i think uh i think that deserves to win mo was most effective well, I, I, I appreciate this competition is very much like like quidditch and in, in that you know <laughs> the scoring doesn't really matter until the end that's quidditch or mario party although i think they fixed mario party in the last 10 years i have uh, never gone back <laughs> Uh, yeah, I also, uh, well, it's all going for Titania anyway, up to that point. She gets to win on the mountain goat question. Her pouring was terrible. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're not watching the glasses. Bob. <laughs> That's the... <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, we get to hear uh, Titania answer a question here as, as Mo's friends support him. Duff beef is brewed from hops, barley, and sparkling clear mountain what? Goat. Close enough. You can really taste the goat. Now, our <laughs> final round, which counts for 98% of the total score, making the previous rounds a complete waste. Don't forget, today's winner will be immortalized on our new Duff calendar. All right, guys. One, two, three. Moo! Lenny, you were supposed to be E. See what happens when you skip rehearsal. This made me nostalgic for seeing shirtless guys in arenas again, mm. you know? That, uh, I, mi I miss it now. We didn't know what we had. <laughs> uh, Maybe they're it, all spelling things in Zoom, in Zoom windows. Uh, but then it gets reversed in the camera. That's true. That's what mirrors are for. You got to be creative. <laughs> Oh man, can you put your so you know how like uh you basically have like Parappa the rapper style cardboard cutouts in the stands now of like they're digitally placed yes, there? Yeah. Can you be shirtless in those? Uh, they Will need, they allow that? They gotta put shirtless dudes in there. Like now. spelling things out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it'll happen by the time this goes live. You know, we did, if any of us was watching sports currently now, we'd have an answer to this. But <laughs> uh but it's just it's not coming here. Alas. Uh, I, I know one of my favorite drawings in the episode is after he says completely uh, complete waste his towel like rubbing the towel on his butt dance that squeaky so noise great. too yeah. they love they love the squeaky noise on the show I always forget Duffman's a Bill and Josh character that it's like the last unless you count Arvin Tamzarian it's <laughs> the last major character they created I think that's true yeah uh, or Frostilicus if you count that as a new character he's more of a Jasper variant yeah <laughs> yeah so it comes to the final test which is throwing out drunks and uh titania then refuses to throw a barfly and brings up that uh duffman had tricked her into having sex which that's a different joke now yeah uh, although i did like duffman says a lot of things yes yeah that's uh i mean i say a lot of things kind of that's a good cover for lying out there but but I wanted to use this as a jumping off point to discuss the sexuality of Duffman. Oh, please. I know you've done serious research on this. Yes. 
you know, Duffman is usually seen surrounded by ladies, but I think this is the first time canonically he has said he has had sex with a woman. Hmm. Uh, and after this, be seen with multiple other women, and including the previously mentioned Bubarella. Uh, but then late in the teens and i believe season 17 it is revealed that he has a relationship with grady scott thompson's recurring gay character in the world okay. of Simpsons. okay homer says he's got a call from grady to help him break up with somebody and then the cut to is like duff man still wearing the sunglasses and hat coming out of the shower <laughs> uh, but... you can never see his a true face <laughs> Uh, and so I like too that Scott Thompson, like Grady, is basically just Scott Thompson. I think honestly, a less camp Scott Thompson. I think. So is Duffman canonically bisexual? Well, that's the complicated thing because mm. I think he could be read as bi or pan or fluid or whatever but uh because he's never said like i am gay after that but it's also though that uh duffman is in, in season 13 it is set up that there's been more than one duffman and they That's often right. die so <laughs> uh, i mean he doesn't I, I think it's assumed that he dies in this one i think mo kills him in this yeah. one yeah so so it's also possible there's a gay duffman and that one had sex with grady but the one who had sex with titania and Bubarella, those were straight duffman hmm. but, do they hire new people or do they just spontaneously regenerate after one dies i think there's like a duff lab <laughs> where they create duff uh, men i would think just springfield has one of the many duff men it's like bozo there's yeah, like multiple yeah. bozos so just the springfield duff man is one of many duff men i also noticed another like a lot of deep cuts in this episode i don't think it was intentional but mo with his board with a nail in it chasing barney Reminds me of how we defeated the aliens in Trios of Horror. Was it two or three? Three. Uh, no, it was. It was two. Yeah. 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 The uh, enslaved humanity, will you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he was keeping that on hand just in case. Uh, he's even running with like the same posture there, too. Yeah. it's uh, So, again, though, I have to call bullshit on this contest because the contest is throwing a drunk, not making a drunk jump. And mm. like Mo didn't move a drunk at all. He just made him if it's if it's how far a drunk will jump if you ask them to or make them do it, then Mo won. But I it's that's not a drunk toss. He should have brought one of the later drunks from the bar. Right? Not yeah, Barney. It should have been uh, Barfly number two. You're very upset about the integrity of this contest. And I respect <laughs> that. <laughs> but Mo does win by a tongue. It's Barney's abnormally long tongue wins it for him. And, and so Mo wins and he is going to be put on the calendar. And as he turns for his front facing photograph, uh, we see Mo in all his smiling glory. They pretty much just reuse the fate front facing drawing they did for Uncle Mo's family feedback commercial. Oh, yeah. I'm, I was surprised that uh, they will often, well, depending on who the director is, if, if Wes Archer directed this episode, he'd have his missing tooth. But he's on King of the Hill. But yeah, that missing tooth does add to the, uh, the Mo-ness of him. I miss the missing tooth. I do. I uh, without Wes Archer there to defend the integrity of Mo's missing tooth, he's he's drawn with a big toothy grin. I thought we just did one with Mo uh, somewhat recently within the past year where he had like missing tooth in every scene. I think it was a Mansion Family. Okay, I think in that one, he's uh, it. He, there's definitely some shots of missing teeth there. Yeah. You can hear the controversy on our uh, Bart sells his soul yes. episode. <laughs> he uh, may have gotten his tooth fixed. 
Ah. He may have gotten, you know, that's a, that's an easy fix. It's easier than what happens to him later in the episode. He could just have a single denture for that tooth, perhaps, yeah. for, for yeah. special occasions like this one. Yeah. But uh, Phil Angelitis takes a photograph of Mo, which on the commentary, they're like, oh, is that a Fox exec? But I think it was the Cal. He was a Phil Angelitis was the California state treasurer in 2000. So maybe they knew him from like local California politics who he would make national headlines, Phil Angelitis, because he would lose big time to Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, okay. in a governor election in 2006. So that's uh, that's where I knew his name from. But that's the name of the uh, the Duff executive photographing him. And speaking of names, Duffman uh, canonically is Larry, uh, the name uh, of the writer of this episode. That's right. I also, agree. Larry's a good comedy name. And I say this, I have a comedy name, so apologies <laughs> to Larry's, but your name is funny. Bob is a funny comedy name. Uh, and yes, uh, Mo wins the contest, though, but he's uh, not going to be so happy with the results. That's great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, I just want to say that it was an honor for me to compete with the Mick and the uh, the chick with the rack there. Yeah! All right, That's Mo. my move! And now, to take your official calendar portrait, Duff's vice president in charge of calendars and fake IDs, Phil Angelinus. <laughs> huh. That's a mug you don't want to chug. Knock it off, Larry. We can't put this face on our calendar. Uh, I love that he's like, we're, we're, you're off stage, tough man. Stop, <laughs> stop giving me the shtick. That's, uh, I also forgot that you can't just say that um, slur against the Irish on TV. I think, I think there was still a TV show called that at this point. I, oh, I, yeah. It was, yeah. I, I think, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so as Mo is celebrating, Marge is freed from her rockin' fun zone. That's where we see Skinner's even smoking there. That's true. Like, <laughs> Who did he go with? Maybe Krabappel. I would guess Krabappel. Yeah. Or, well, though, I could also see Agnes saying, you're the driver. Go in there. And maybe he got, uh, he was given smokes by somebody else in there. Hmm. Then we get the one of the most unexpected B stories ever, the purchase of a balloon. Yeah, you get uh, about two scenes of this bad boy. I wonder if it was supposed to go, if they originally planned for it to go over all three acts and then they realized like the timing of this, of most of the B story has to take place over like the period of like two hours or something. Yeah, I, I expected there to be a third scene with this. I thought there was one because after they get it back, there's just nothing. I was like, okay, what's the payoff? And there really isn't one. But when you have it, such a strong B story, you don't really need a payoff. <laughs> <laughs> Are they going to get the balloon? Speak for itself. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a balloon. <laughs> it made me aware of Law Cabin Republicans as uh, like an 18 year old. So. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> Will we? Okay, great. Uh, yeah. Uh, though, yeah, the, the kids also it just feels weird to me that Bart and Lisa want a balloon so bad. I don't know. When I was a kid, I didn't give a crap about balloons. I thought they were gross. Just uh -huh. the, I don't know, the, the sound of fingers squeaking on a balloon just grosses me out. So, something fierce. It's a, it's a, it's a thing about me i don't know I, I were you guys in even in childhood fans of balloons no they're scary because they they can pop very easily mm, yeah i never yeah. like the popping I, I i do appreciate i don't know i like when lisa is an actual child <laughs> I, I i don't really believe that bart would care about the balloon but i can like buy that lisa had a moment of just being like it's pink and pretty and she wants it hmm. 
uh, though Lisa does engage in some hyperbole there because uh, at least from Google results that I looked up, like most balloons take six months to four years to biodegrade, not 10,000 years. So uh, it's only it's only kind of horrible to the environment <laughs> that it sticks around for four years. Just let a letting go of a balloon is really just littering in the future. Yeah. And it's also funny. I think it's an extra joke that it's sleazy of the seven duffs who's giving away the balloons too. I kind of like a joke about Homer, like trying to convince the bouncer to let him back in. Like, <laughs> remember my face. I like that. Uh, what if it's remorseful working the gates next time? <laughs> There's a time cut of some kind. They must have printed those calendars pretty quickly. But uh, but most pacing back and forth as they wait for the calendars to arrive. Oh, the new dump calendars are out. The ones with your picture. Oh, boy. Move over, liquor license. Hey, Mo. <laughs> This license expired in 1973, and it's only good in Rhode Island. And it's signed by you. Yeah, yeah, I've been meaning to get that updated uh, for this state and real. Now, let's see the poster boy for the new millennium. They put a sticker over my face. Hey, leave a kiss What? Hey, ah, for the love of Jeff. Ah. Am I really that ugly? Mo, it's all relative. Is Lenny really that dumb? Is Barney <laughs> that drunk? Is Homer that lazy, bald, and fat? Oh my God, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I don't talk much. <laughs> he looks right at the camera too, yeah. so he knows the foot. Like this is Carl is so smart, he knows that he's in a TV show. This is the second, I think, uh, character addressing the camera this season. Uh, the the criticism episode had like, we'll be right back. That's right. Homer, Homer just says, but this this time was also pretty rare that Carl gets the end of commercial joke as well. Good for him. I feel he, like he earned it. He's. I mean, this is quite a major episode for Carl as well. Yeah, we <laughs> found out his lineage. <laughs> uh but the the all of the sticker jokes i really like the drawing of uh, it feels very realistic the sticker residue left over moe's picture there i i really like that homer uh he can also be called stupid lenny i know i don't think of lenny as stupid i mean i don't think of lenny particularly i just he's, think of him as lenny he's a loser right yes yeah that's true he's he wants no one to know how he lives that's for <laughs> sure uh, and when it comes back from break, everybody is uh, is trying to comfort Mo. They describe uh, how ugly things are. There's it's interesting to see who they feel safe in calling like ugly in this. There's a lot of there's a few celebrity names said in here that I'm like, oh, you guys felt it well, you could get away with that, you know. <laughs> Which uh, hey, I'm all for insulting Bill Maher, oh, though not oh, uh, not yeah. on looks. I mean. <laughs> You don't you don't have to make fun of someone's looks to dislike I mean, Bill Maher. I did agree with the president on that part. So broken <laughs> yeah. clock. Uh, He's a terrible, exhausted, gaunt, and weak. <laughs> but uh, actually, here I'll play the clip. <sighs> I must be the ugliest man alive. Oh, Mo, there's lots of people uglier than you. Like you ever been to White Castle? Oh boy, Pigtown, USA. <laughs> now, come on, look at me. I'm a gargoyle. What, with the cauliflower ear there and the lizard lips? Little rat eyes. Caveman brow. Don't forget that fish snout. Okay, I get it. I ain't pleasant to look at. Or listen to. Or be with. Come on, Mo. don't feel bad. There's too much emphasis on looks these days. That's why they won't let Bill Maher on TV before midnight. Hey, Mo. if you're tired of being an eyesore, why not get some plastic surgery? Plastic surgery, huh? 
Yeah, maybe they could dynamite Mount Crapmore here and carve me a new kisser. Oh, I don't know. Plastic surgery might make you look good on the outside, but you still might feel bad on the inside. But I'd look good on the outside, right? Yeah, but you'd feel bad inside. Plastic surgery it is. Carl Carlson, you just saved my life. Hey, get out of there. <laughs> Great extra gag that Homer decided like to rob Mo all of a sudden. <laughs> it was a, I don't think uh, I, I think it was effective, but I like I think the joke might be lost where it's like you hear the cha-ching, like oh what a good idea, oh. and it's actually Homer stealing. Oh, that's the I joke. Didn't get yeah. that joke. Totally missed it. Totally missed it. I don't think it's communicated as well as it could have been, but that that's the joke. It's really good. That's yeah. the joke. <laughs> but yeah, Carl Carlson. It wouldn't be until season fifteen, I think, that we learn Lenny's name is Lenny Leonard. I'm surprised it took. Was it just that they thought Lenny Leonard's too obvious after they did Carl Carlson, so they weren't sure they'd do it? And then at, by 15, they're like, "Nah, it's Lenny Leonard." Yeah, just, they've got to be so similar, you know. <laughs> I mean, they 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 get gayer every season <laughs> together, true. Lenny and Carl. But uh, uh, they they've I think they've been like full on coupled together at this point. I think they've. I know some. There was. I haven't watched the episode. Maybe you'll get to it soon, Lewis. Uh, but somebody uh, there was a viral thing that in a more recent episode lenny and carl are just like casually holding hands together but uh yeah i mean i i I, you know i I may be sleeping when that happens but i um (laughs) look for it i you know i've been surprised by how gay the show gets in the 20s like that there are just more there are more gay characters i wouldn't call it you know fantastic representation that you know has meaningfully changed the way i engage with the show but it's it's gayer there's more gay i will say i recently rewatched the one where homer is gay marrying people in town and i forgot there's some borderline transphobic stuff at the end oh oh, there. oh yes there is oh, yeah. uh that that's a really bad one but there is uh some wildly transphobic stuff in the uh, episodes I've been watching uh, that has not aged particularly well. But they, but 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 for for cis white gay men, there's plenty of 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 you know laughs to be had. Well, that's all I care about as a law cabin Republican as well. But... Uh, I've said this before, but uh, Scully. I mean, every showrunner starts by saying we're going to get back to the family, and then they're like, "What's Mo doing?" <laughs> uh, but Scully, I think, is very like after working in the business for so long and working on the show as a showrunner for three years, a lot of his episodes are about show business. Yeah, and this is another one where it's just like it's about plastic surgery and show business, and also like the production of a soap opera later. So it's, it's yet another one of these ones where there's like a Tress McNeil executive character. Mm. and just the shenanigans of behind the scenes of a tv show yeah as the as the show goes on they're more into i mean you can make you could say it's because they've used all their life experience they had before they were tv writers in episodes already so they're kind of out of life experience to draw on other than the experience of making a television show but yet it feels uh this is also the time in every episode where i say i guess matt graining probably wasn't there because <laughs> i feel like he wouldn't be okay with this uh episode perhaps just because it's again so hollywood and inside but but he's too busy with futurama it's uh so scully's time to shine well also i thought you're gonna say scully does a lot of stuff with like alcohol and drinking that's and too, too yeah. yeah i think he had a lot of like uh personal experience not as a drunk but as growing up a lo- around a lot of drinkers mm-hmm. uh but yes yeah, so mo decides he's gonna do it he's gonna get uh plastic surgery then it cuts to 
another like very Tracy Ullman shorts kind of thing because like how many when we watched those how many of them were like Lisa Bart and Maggie just like standing in the middle of the living room <laughs> saying let's I play like spaceman exactly yeah. <laughs> uh and this time they're just mom like, and dad are gone <laughs> uh no it's cute <laughs> it's cute seeing Maggie like just enjoying a balloon like just like a yeah, baby but that's yeah. dangerous the baby shouldn't have a balloon it could choke not alone with a balloon no that seems that seems dangerous on their part though also it's a pretty awesome balloon to still be like fully inflated that what what has to be at least the next day but that's also the problem with this B story that it can't line up with like surgeries that take days and days and <laughs> to a full recover from on yeah. TV. Yes, yeah. Bart and Lisa try to grab the balloon. It almost goes out the door, and then in a very like weird moment, it flies up the chimney instead. Impossibly. That that's a. It also looks like they sped up animation. Like that. I think yeah. it was supposed to move slower originally. Yeah, but. it looks like they just sped it up with video effects. And uh, and then we even get a reference to hover bikes, which we heard about in the cult episode, The Joy of Sex. <laughs> yes, so. you need some fishing line and a comb and some wax paper to make your own hover bike. <laughs> and uh, then after the, they go off to chase a balloon, we head to Mo getting uh, his plastic surgery appraisal. I don't feel on the commentary they say it's supposed to be kind of like George Harrison. Uh, oh, Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. not George Harrison. Sorry, <laughs> thank but I was like, it definitely doesn't feel like George Harrison, but I don't really get Hamilton either. I, I just mean, as like in the, in the terms of like he's just an orange man, like a very leathery old man. Mm-hmm. I only know George Hamilton from like the talk show he had in the '90s with some other person. I forget who that was. Well, that's that wasn't Tammy Faye. That was um, never mind. I, I apologize. But no, I yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I just knew him as a guy. Yeah. Like he's he used to be in movies, but like he was in Zorro the Gay Blade. He is Troy McClure. He's a Troy McClure type. He though. very much is Troy. Yeah, you're right. Though now when I looked it up, like I, I thought, oh, could this be based on a real guy who, you know, the surgeon to the stars? He does look a little like Dr. 90210 from the, the E uh, series. I, I don't know if you watch that any, Lewis. No, but I appreciate you thinking that's the kind of show I would watch because you're not you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but but no, I haven't. I, I'm not uh, I'm not looking down. I just, I thought for research purposes at least you might have. Absolutely yes. No, but I, I have not. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he looks like a generic uh, plastic surgeon. I can see that. I think it's a giant mistake to not have this be Nick Riviera, honestly, though. Like, oh, you know what? You're right. We have like a, f- a fraudulent uh, surgeon on the show yeah. with an accent played by Hank Azaria. You got him. But but but, but he's uh, a good surgeon. He's a good plastic surgeon. Well, that's I, true. I, I don't know if I can suspend disbelief that, that Nick Riviera could do the kind of work that he does. You know, uh, that's true. This guy is too competent at his job. He did yeah. not give Mo a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg. And by the <laughs> way, the George Hamilton uh, talk show was called George and Alana. I only know about it through Talk Soup. Yeah. It was yeah. his ex-wife he was doing a talk show with oh, in the 90s. that was the gimmick. Yeah. Was what, the... what a fascinating frame of reference. I, that is not my, that is not how I think of George Hamilton, but I appreciate that your mind goes there. <laughs> I know, no, Jim J. Bullock had the show with um, Tammy Faye that's Baker as well. Right, and again, yeah. Talk Soup. The Talk Soup yeah. connection. <laughs> 
I I also, you know, you, Mo says he only wants stuff on the face, but clearly he fixes Mo's back. Unless having a better face improves his confidence enough that he just stands up straight. I think so. And uh, he carries himself with more confidence. Exactly. No work on the genitals, though. We hear they're a mess. <laughs> uh, also, then there's a mean as he draws all over his face, which. I guess I that must have been happening in movies. I, I feel like it's more of a recent thing you'd see. Like, oh, this is how plastic surgery works. And they just put a marker all over you. Like, here's how we'll change you. But yeah. And I've seen them drawing on people's faces with that, with that like, purple marker. Mm-hmm. And uh, then a mean joke at Faye Dunaway's expense that it shows yeah. you who they feel safe making fun of, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's cruel. But if you Google pictures, you can understand. Sure, yes. She's look. also a very, she's a notoriously mean person. So yeah, it's... yeah. Hey, you know what? Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> she's never going to be on this show. <laughs> Not with that attitude. We then cut to briefly Bart and Lisa chasing after a balloon, which, uh, yeah, that balloon also, it, it's staying at a certain level of catchability instead of just going up and away. Way. staying in the frame uh and yeah then it quickly cuts back to mo about to be operated on and i will say you know i don't think i've gone under anesthesia since uh, seeing this episode i've been lucky to not uh, need that uh but this would you like to see his genitals thing that has scared me ever since and just like what's what's to stop the doctor from looking at my genitals while i'm asleep it's like the laser eye surgery joke in bart to the future that's been scaring me ever since too it's a it's a that's a very rational fear yeah but i mean they've hey, seen a million i've got nothing doctors. to hide <laughs> but i just love how he offers it up so casually like would you like to see his genitals <laughs> and mo has to go like hey i'm still awake the new car smell uh, in an aesthetic dispenser was very funny. I do like that. Yeah. It caused a lot of mishaps in the operating room, I think. Uh, and uh, But yes, Mo gets knocked out in this brief little clip here. Oh, boy, what a muck. Yeah, you should see his genitals. Would you like to see them? I'm awake here. Uh-oh, this isn't an aesthetic. It's new car smell. Oh, sorry, doctor. Oh, silver bells, silver bells. <laughs> it's funny to hear him sing silver bells. I like that. <laughs> Though we know Christmas is a tough time for Mo. As... It is, yeah. <laughs> it's bringing back some trauma. <laughs> but all right, we get to the very sped up end of the balloon bee story here. Uh, it all just leads, it's all just for this one joke, isn't it? I guess so and yeah. I, I chuckled at it at sure. the time so i mean i think they existed for a while but in the year 2000 i think was when i first heard of the log cabin republicans uh and for the you know I, of course it's the kind of thing like the new yorker or npr would would write about because it's like oh you wouldn't expect this this person is gay but also a republican what so you, you've got a lot of like human inch stories honestly far more pub than those shitheads ever deserve in, in my opinion <laughs> i i've always you know i they're horrible people but i i've always admired the name mm-hmm. because i you know just because uh i assu- i was told when i first learned about them that it was because of lincoln's secret gayness i don't know if that's actually why they chose that name but if that's true i like it i don't like them i do believe it mm. is that yeah i do believe it's that about that the uh there was apparently sp- specifically one member in his cabinet that lincoln like people could find proof that like lincoln slept in the same bed as this guy on trips and stuff but 
the, I've heard other historians say like, eh, it's just what guys did back then. It was then. very cold. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was because it was like the big gotcha. I'd be like, you think Republicans are bad? What about Abraham Lincoln? Well, sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think I think they're they're reclaiming him as a Republican. I mean, he was a Republican, but not really. They're they're claiming as a Republican and as a gay man. However, there was an actual gay president, James Buchanan. Oh, uh, who, who I believe it was Buchanan, who um, was not married, but had a uh, live in friend uh, nicknamed Aunt Fancy. Right. I forgot about mm. this bit of history. You're right. Yes. Uh, I just think about Aunt Fancy a lot because that is uh, my ideal term of endearment. I, oh. I, yeah. So they could have been, you know, the Aunt Fancies would have been a much fun, much more fun, campier kind of name. Um, but these people strike me as pretty humorless. Mm-hmm. And what was their uh, bumper sticker? A gay president in 20, uh, 2084. I will yeah. say uh, it could be Pete Buttigieg if he gets elected at the age of 102. <laughs> That's what, when I saw that, I was like, oh, a, a gay president seems much closer now in time than it did in 2000 when i saw it but i said to myself like fuck it's gonna be pete Buttigieg, isn't it <laughs> like I, I i hope i hope it's a different first gay president than that guy he's just look there's worse people than mayor pete out there i don't want to be like too mean but i he's so fucking boring <laughs> he's uh, i just uh, don't like him but that's just me but that's i think with our with our luck it'll be an actual gay republican and, and instead of a gay centrist who you might as well be so we'll yeah. see Honestly, I think you're you probably are right. There. I think so. I, I mean, uh have Republicans in general, like I I don't like conservative queer people in general as as a gay dude. I kind of hate them, honestly, <laughs> because I feel that it's look, it's one thing to be you don't have to vote Democrat all the time if you're a queer person, like whatever, like that you totally you have reasons to be disappointed with them. But to be like, oh, I mean, I am going to support the Republicans. That is insane to me. Like that feels truly bonkers to me. And when I see those articles that like, I feel like it was like a couple of years ago, the New York times did a thing of like these two husbands, they voted for Trump. Can you believe it? I'm like, well, yeah, you're rich white guys. Yeah. Like, fucking <laughs> duh. Like, well, like I, I think, I think it is interesting though, how much has changed in the past 20 years in that, um, you know, Re- Republicans at least now are so much less, you know, well, this is not really true, but like the, the sort of, Trumpy thing of like they're they're not actually that socially conservative and and certainly Trump himself probably wasn't aside from being like a racist like I don't think he actually cared that much about gay stuff before having to pander to uh, religious conservatives but it's much more likely now that there would be a, you know a gay Republican president than there than you know twenty years ago hmm. when that seems unfathomable when you know even Democrats weren't you know super pro gay yeah. Uh, so, I mean, times have changed in many ways, mostly for the worse, but in some ways for the better. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's progress that like we could see a conservative gay man in the White House. That's that's not exactly what I'm looking for. But uh, it is a notable change. I, I is. Can we call Ellen a gay Republican yet? I feel we're getting closer Ooh. day by day. I, I she's like a Republican by proxy. I mean, I you know, she 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 close enough sure uh no i will also like the litmus test now it, it does feel like cis gay people don't i like i i feel like the donald trump election was when republicans nationally just had to give up on gay marriage like well, yeah. we, we're just done with it fine marriage equality you got it but but i i now feel the litmus test is like if somebody would have been a homophobe five years ago they're a transphobe now like that's yeah absolutely i mean that's sort of where they where they they can say like donald trump is the most pro-gay president and they're not even i mean 
they're not even that far off, which is kind of sick, but not really, but in terms of what he'd set up to that point. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yet as soon as you bring up trans rights, they're like, well, not, you know, not that we said gay, we're not talking about trans people. They're kind of moving away from, from that side of queerness. So yeah. I could have, a, you know, I could have a fuzzy memory on this, but, uh, not to get too bogged down in modern politics, but I believe our current president has not said, uh, a, a whole lot or really any anti-gay things, but definitely anti-trans things yeah. where just like, you know, we're not going to pay for trans people in the military. You want them they, out of the military. He's done some anti-gay stuff too, in terms of like, uh, adoption and yeah, okay. that's right. And, and basically, and basically, you know, kind of allowing for more religious persecution. Definitely uh, under, that. Under yeah. So that. That, that affects the cis gays too but um yeah uh trans people are definitely more affected by by most of these laws than than cis gay men especially wealthy white ones though uh we i mean he's kind of a non-factor usually but mike pence is there and he is a classic oh, republican boy. homophobe. <laughs> like he's he's the old school version of it uh that probably will just be the guy next time anyway but uh but but all right anyway <laughs> I don't want to get too too off topic, but I'm just remembering that woman now who voted for Buttigieg and didn't know he was gay and asked for her vote back during <laughs> the primaries. Uh, I, think, I think I think of her often, and I, I wonder how she's doing. <laughs> People just prove that even gay men can be like bloodless uh, corporate climbers. Like that, it's it's capable of all of us. <laughs> Dreams do come true. Uh, anyway, all uh-huh. right. So that's the end of the gay Republican bit. They, uh, which he kind of does, just stand in a cul-de-sac where they're just like, "No, that won't be our mascot." Anyway, here's your balloon. The end. And a free bumper sticker, as we discussed. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, and so then they come back to Mo's facial surgery being unveiled. I love how long they make it take. Yeah. Like, and, and the first one, the first they unwrap a woman, and it's a, a parody of that Twilight Zone episode, I Have the Beholder, where yeah. they, uh, you find out, like, they're doing surgery on a woman the entire time. You find out she's a normal human woman from Earth. Mm. That's what she looks like. Everyone else is a hideous alien. But but it's in the eye yeah, of exactly. the Beholder. <laughs> what yes. a twist, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's I, wa- yeah, I watched that episode again not that long ago. It's it's so, even if you, I mean, yes, we know all the twist now, but it's very unsettled because you see no one else's face the whole time, and you're kind of like, why aren't you seeing their faces? So I don't know. I'm saying I'm, I'm I'm saying that Twilight Zone episode is overrated. I, Great concept, though. <laughs> it's I, yeah, it's all building up to one thing over the course of the thirty minutes. I do wonder. What a very obvious twist. Yeah, I gotta wonder if I'm watching this in 1965 uh, if, as a fresh viewer. I'm like. They haven't shown a face for 20 minutes now. I don't know, you're, you're thinking about your buddies that died in the war. You're not caring about these plot twists. Uh, you're as drunk as Babe Ruth. Yeah. There. Like uh, Eddie never saw it coming. Chug. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, they also, I do like Homer going like, hurry up. I need to pee. That's great. And, and yeah, Homer's like, okay, now do Mo. So, and even the guy starts sweating as he takes it off. Like it's uh, just so many like pauses for the reveal of this. Uh, and then Moe's beautiful face is revealed. Though I like when he thinks it was destroyed. He's like, I'll pe- <laughs> I'm going to go hide in a cave, periodically emerging to sue you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, but yes, Moe's face is revealed and he's he is a handsome man by Simpsons character design standards. Do you think it's partially inspired by Hank Azaria's real face? or um, I feel I see a little of it in there. I, yeah, maybe maybe like the hair at the time. Mm. Yeah, but like uh, this is some, some magic cosmetic surgery and that he's ultimately healed immediately. Mm. Like I had like a clogged pore like cut open with a tiny scalpel. I bled like a pig for like a week. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. It's a very visceral uh, 
image. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, I-, I, I think I think Mo is handsome by my standards, beyond just Simpson standards. Oh, sure. I think I especially like that they kept his hair color. We, we love like a handsome sort of silver fox. He's definitely, well, as he will say later, like he applied for that show 25 years ago. So Mo's like pushing 50 by at least by yeah. the age established in this episode anyway. The Little Rascals joke cannot be canon. No, it can't. <laughs> Let's just say he was lying about well now he had a poster so it'd have to be a fake poster too and he said nah i was the other the ugly kid smelly no he's not the <laughs> ugly one he was smelly my bad <laughs> speaking of this episode being a horny one we got sexy nurses like four sexy nurses yeah. saying goodbye to him and uh yeah also that there's a little gag about mo briefly dying on the operating table which that was when it hit me like <laughs> wait this should have been nick riviera doing it but but i i now agree with you lewis that it's uh the abilities of the a doctor matter quite a lot um, he has to be good he has to be a good doctor uh but mo realizes he has a second chance oh my did you hear that she called me handsome me it's like i gone to heaven wait a minute i died on the operating table didn't i <laughs> yeah but just for a minute it's a funny story i'll tell you sometime so this is all real oh you dear dear man you're one of us beautiful people now, and your new life begins today. A new life. A second chance for revenge. That brown patch needs a little H2O. Oh, yeah. Hey, Duff man. Let's see how you like a sticker on your face. Ooh. Yeah. Ah. Duff man can't breathe. Huh. Oh, no. Ooh. So the thought of a doctor seeing your genitals made you afraid of surgery, but not the idea of dying on the operating table and having to be resuscitated? I guess not. <laughs> no, I don't know why. I, I just figured... <laughs> That's a good joke. I don't know. Uh, well, I, honestly, now I'm more scared of suffocating in the way that Mo, <laughs> Mo kills Duffman. Throw away all your stickers. <laughs> I've been keeping all these giant face stickers for uh, it locked away all this time. I love the the a fresh start for revenge. That's so great. And uh, and then Moa approaches a woman who turned him down for the springtime pumpkin dance. <laughs> I Good, never yeah. got that was a joke great. till now. Yeah. And she's actually apologetic until Homer breaks her window. <laughs> uh, Homer Homer should be arrested multiple times this episode. I think. But... I, I like in these seasons where Homer is suddenly like another character's best friend and always hanging out with them and just very invested in their lives. Like a poo and Mo, Ned, Ned, too, yeah. yeah. It uh, well, again, we know he doesn't have a job anymore. We we he doesn't go to work at all. Uh, and and also though, on the commentary, Matt Selman cops to like these are the fantasies of com- many comedy writers who dream of getting revenge against women who rejected them. <laughs> so uh, I mean, what was her, what was her crime? She had she had turned him down yeah that was it she just wouldn't go to a dance with him like didn't even really embarrass him yeah yeah but uh you know obviously homer homer didn't take that apology too well so he smashed her window (laughs) but uh and so they head off to their final bit of revenge it all goes back to my acting days i was auditioning for the role of dr tad winslow on the hit soap it never ends angela i'm afraid I. thank you next what were you thinking yeah, you said you wanted gritty. In other words, ugly. I wanted Marianne on Gilligan's Island ugly, not Cornelius on the Planet of the Apes ugly. TV ugly, not ugly ugly. 
I've been called ugly, pug ugly, fugly, pug fugly, but never ugly ugly. <laughs> well, it's time to get some closure. Extreme closure. <laughs> Homer wants to kill everybody. He is going to, as we saw his plan, was to light the building on fire. So I think he was planning to kill everyone there, yes. <laughs> I can't believe they got away with Fugly. Right? Yeah, you're right. That is that is pretty close to the line of dirtiness. I, I love Pug Fugly. Pug Fugly is pretty great, yeah. <laughs> Thank I, you. Uh, but I mean, this is, what's dark about this is that is how casting directors talk, you know, yeah. on shows. Yeah. That's uh, with with all the pushes for, you know, having much more diversity in casts on shows and that, all that. Like, uh, I think a lot of shows don't they always cast conventionally attractive people, no matter what other diversity goals they have in mind. They often are still casting with like, well, obviously it's a conventionally attractive person we're going to have on television. There's a great Jim Gaffigan joke about watching British television and just being shocked <laughs> or seeing a movie with Halle Berry. And he's like, she should just be a model. She can solve all of her problems. <laughs> oh, yes, She's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or that's like Arnold Schwarzenegger in any movie. Just yeah. like, I'm a construction worker. I want to talk about soap operas really quick because uh, I grew up watching a lot of them because my grandma was a major soap opera watcher. And my theory now is soap operas were anime for old people because <laughs> they just never ended. There was thousands of episodes and they've been running forever. So as of 2020, and I don't know how things are being handled in the COVID world, there are currently four of the oldest soap operas still running. A lot of them just recently ended within the past 10 years. Uh, so they are The Young and the Restless that started in 1973, The Bold and the Beautiful that started in 1987, uh, General Hospital started in 1963, but that was also, uh, there was lots of radio stuff before that. And then there's Days of Our Lives started in 65. I believe there are over 14,000 episodes of General Hospital to date. And that is still running again. I don't know what COVID has done to this. Maybe they're on hiatus or whatever. Maybe this will kill the soap opera. But I grew up watching a lot of soap operas. My favorite one was All My Children, watching it as like an eight and nine-year-old. Um, that's the one I like the most. I watched Passions. I was the only one that I watched because it was supernatural. Oh. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up, Lewis, because... That started in July of 1999, right before this episode was probably written. And the weird plot lines on this one, like with like the resurrected Cleopatra, that feels like <laughs> they had just got into Passions and started watching it. Like this soap opera is so weird. I think they're drawing from Passions, even though it had just started around this time. I didn't. Didn't all my children have a demonic possession plot line? Yeah, they did. And also uh, the parody show Soap. They did. Uh, I mean, that doesn't shouldn't count the same but yeah on soap they did a rosemary's baby uh story arc as well my my question about this is that like you know i didn't really think about this until re-watching it but there's like this soap opera trope that i'm not sure if it's a real trope or just a joke about soap operas but the idea of a character getting plastic surgery and being replaced by a different actor I, is that a thing that actually happened on soap operas or is that just you know a thing that people said because they often recast their characters I think from time to time it happened, but it's not, I don't think it happened a ton. It was more, they'd, an actor would leave the show and they'd kill them off. And then, you know, five years later, the actor comes back and they just say like, I was dead. <laughs> like same. Sure, sure. Or another of their fun casting things is where someone will have a baby for a big baby event story. And then <laughs> the writers will decide like, well, it's going to be boring to watch him raise a child for 10 years. So then they just age up the kid like 15 years in a, in a day 
or orchid goes upstairs and never comes back <laughs> so i was wondering if these shows are still running and uh, i went to general hospital's twitter account and they're talking about current plot lines wow as of two well, hours they, ago yeah yeah so they um I know that one of them was using dummies, I believe, for sex scenes. <laughs> um, I, that was a whole thing. Uh, I don't remember which one it was. Maybe Bold and the Beautiful. But I think that like one of the soaps was like the first show to come back and film during the pandemic because you you simply cannot not film a soap opera. Yeah, I'm reading one of the tweets. It sounds like a description of a plot from It Never Ends. Does Spinelli have the ammunition he needs to bring down Peter August, West Coast? Tune in and deduce for yourselves. <laughs> I Yeah, I you know, I was a bit of a... For a few summers, I watched them with my mom. Oh, summertime, too. yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, cause, cause, well, also, like, for me, it was I'm watching The Price is Right, and then my mom comes home for lunch hour, and she's like, all right, it's Young and the Restless time, and I'll just stay on CBS and, and just continue watching it. So, I, yeah, I watched Young and the Restless and All My Children a bit. I was so sad when All My Children ended. Yeah. I, watched, I watched the series finale of that because... That, that almost never happens a soap opera season finale and or series finale and of course i always still watch the soap opera that is pro wrestling <laughs> they are I, the same yeah i i always appreciated about soap operas that things were dragged out so long that you could dip in and out and you would still know what was happening because storylines lasted forever yeah, yeah and a lot of them were just characters reiterating what happened like i saw you with uh, glenn at the pool <laughs> uh yeah For weeks and weeks it it hit me i think uh as i became more of a observant tv viewer that i realized like oh this entire week of episodes has been these two actors in the same place <laughs> yeah. Just constantly restating stuff, and they're never finished. Like they won't get to what I'm waiting for them to do. And lots of uh, meaningful looks at each other that eat up 20% of the episode. Yeah, like I watched a lot of this in the 90s, a lot of these. And then uh, in the late 2000s, my grandma couldn't drive anymore, so I would go over and take care of her and drive her around to go shopping and stuff. And I would sit and watch these with her, and I was like, these never change. <laughs> they still are so cheap and so cheesy, and I love them. I love the acting level they work on, and to be like a good soap opera actor takes a lot of different skills that that you know other legitimate actors can do like i don't know could could matthew mcconaughey do a great job having to do like 80 hours a week on a on his, uh soap opera well, acting james franco tried that he uh that was what was it, general hospital he was on that yes that yeah was like his, that was like his experiment to see if he could pull it off most most soap stars now and and i'm exaggerating it's not most of them several several soap stars have uh transitioned to real housewives now so um oh. you know beverly hills housewives is like largely soap opera stars at this point uh, and they've cycled in and out but uh it, it makes sense but like what they what they bring not everyone can be a good housewife and not everyone can be a good soap <laughs> star so it is a specific skill set i uh i also remember now that like right before buffy Sarah Michelle Gellar was uh, Susan Lucci's daughter. She played oh. her character on All My Children. And I think she even came back a couple times to be like, oh, I'll do a week of episodes with, with Buffy. Is there Sarah Michelle <laughs> appearing on the show again? Uh, I think in that case, they did recast character. But and Susan Lucci finally won that Emmy in 1999. Uh, over, yeah, actually, this is like right after she finally won it. They couldn't. Uh, How much of our audience did we lose? <laughs> yeah, we've lost everybody now. now the, uh, though, I wish it was Search for the Sun. I wish they were going oh, on right. Search for the Sun. The, I was. 
that was i looked it up it only made four appearances search for the sun basically three times in season two and three and then in season seven homer's watching search for the sun with like i'll make sure you don't get apricot one that's right yeah that was in king size homer and that feels like what could have happened in this episode where a generic soap opera is written and then you know the writers realize hey wait we already have a soap opera in springfield don't we let's let's do that instead but in this case they just make up it yeah. never ends i don't think it had the prominence of like eye on springfield or itchy and scratchy or any of the other fictional shows in the universe yeah or mcbain mcbain yeah, yeah. uh but yeah so homer homer and mo they confront the producers here and uh we also get to meet a, a, a poor actor getting replaced for daring to ask for more money but i've been dr tad winslow for 25 years <laughs> it's time i got a raise Oh, shut up, you windy old hack. And another thing, you have to stop calling me that. Not me? <laughs> 25 years ago, you said I was too ugly to play Dr. Tad Winslow. I did? Well, that's why pencils have erasers, hon. You're our new Dr. Tad Winslow. Really? You mean it? But there can't be two Dr. Tad Winslows. That's going to... Oh. I've been waiting all my life for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> Homer, whoa, whoa, Homer, change your plans. Whatever. <laughs> it's a good act break, even though it does not put Homer in the greatest light. No. <laughs> uh, Homer was like, fine, I won't burn down a building. I just remember, too, this kind of was happening at the same time as Friends. Uh, the, the Dr. Drake Ramore stuff was a, while, a few years earlier mm. in Friends, but uh, that had a similar situation for daytime TV actors. I think these, the though, okay, we just did Alone Again, Natural Diddly, which is about an actor wanting more money and getting fired and replaced. Oh, no, you're right. And this later comes in of just like, hey, I found out you're killing off my character. Fuck you. Like that both they i feel like it's uh, more than a coincidence that this is coming right after they let go of an actress and killed off her character out of a pay dispute i never thought of that but you're totally right oh wow yeah that's a dark undercurrent there <laughs> and uh, and also i want to give a shout out to a helpful twitter user actually so um on our other podcast what a cartoon a couple months ago <laughs> we did the anime ranma one half and a twitter username malcolm rambert he shared with me the latin american dub of simpsons the scene with this with the original tad he says that he's been tad winslow's voice for 25 years and the voice actor for ranma huh. Like, so it's so, it's an incredibly random joke by anime dubbers shoved into this Spanish language version of The Simpsons. I love it. Was, it. it was shocking to hear. So, uh, so thank you, Malcolm, for sharing that with me. I've, there's, it's, uh, it's always interesting to see, especially, you know, in the many different dubs and localizations, like changes have to be made sometimes. I still wonder if just like, you know, in, in any non-English language or even for English speakers in like England or Australia, do they get all of these very specifically american jokes mm. I mean, isn't that part of the thrill of it though is the you know the americana of the simpsons i know like when comedy central would air british stuff like in the late 90s they would have their website with like footnotes like here's what they mean when they say this <laughs> 
I would really, I would love the idea of like an Australian dub of The Simpsons, though, where just all the jokes are 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 redone for an Australian audience. Uh, all Duff has just turned changed into Fosters. I actually Australians don't like Fosters. I make I'm, huh. I'm making an American centric assumption there. Too. I think Australia was the one place where they actually made Duff in the '90s before it was shut down for that, breaking copyrights. Uh, that's right. Uh, and so Mo is cast in the show as Dr. Tad Winslow, and uh, Marge is a regular viewer of It Never Ends. Cleo, Cleo, you brought music to my heart, but this relationship can never work. I'm a doctor, and you're a 5,000-year-old mummy I brought back to life. <laughs> but I love you, Tad, and together we can burn all the cities of the Earth. <laughs> it's against hospital regulations, damn it. And Clive dances just waiting for me to slip up. So, Lenny, how are things working out with you and that girl next door? Eh, it's over. She got a window shade. Whoa! Whoa, whoa. <laughs> if you must grope me, ladies, please, a little softer. <laughs> okay, now, hot. <laughs> hey, there are women in our bar. Hey, whoa, bear me. I'm a little busy, Homer. Uh, you can pour it yourself. And uh, that's where Homer just relaxedly like starts breathing beer. Basically, <laughs> looks pretty nice. Uh, that uh, that's a very vaudeville joke to the wo- the woman you're seeing. Ah, she got a window shade. But um, uh, though the at the core of the joke is that Lenny is stalking a woman. But, um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a classic joke that maybe hasn't aged super well. Uh, and I also love that Clive Dancer is literally watching him at all times. Oh, that's a hilarious drawing. That's great. Uh, that, but yes, it it only hit me on this viewing that when he said, calls her Cleo, he means she is the mummy of Cleopatra re- reborn. Again, it's got to be a passions uh, reference, right? I think you're right. And uh, and also they said that uh, the drawings of the people in the opening, that's from character designer Joe Wack. It's just straight up his drawings on screen. That's great. So, yeah, yeah. I, know, I know like the uh, the initial like thing you see is a parody of Days of Our Lives, like the hourglass. Instead of an hourglass on the beach, it's a grandfather clock on the beach, yes. which is funny. I like uh, that. And I love the statement of it never ends because the, these shows are seemingly endless. <laughs> Uh, though I'm shocked that Mo can even run his bar because soap opera filming seems very time consuming. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed that he uh, is is juggling those two jobs, which he wouldn't really need to do if he had a soap opera, you know, salary. I guess they're underpaying the actors, so yeah, perhaps he has to do the bar. As uh, Homer, then they cut to Homer and Mo running lines together in his dressing room, which I love that Homer, Homer and Mo were very comfortable with Homer being turned on <laughs> yeah. by this performance. Uh, and you only care about your ear, nose, and throat pavilion. <laughs> Uh, and then Mo describes having acting heartworms, basically, that uh, when Homer says, yeah, our dog had that. Then comes uh, the on the commentary. I love how they're just fully open of like there's like five arched things that have to happen for the rest of this episode for it to work, starting with the top secret envelope that is clearly <laughs> labeled that it's a bunch of spoilers. Uh, but that's when Mo finds out some bad news. I didn't bring you back to life so you could make a fool of me at the club. You don't love me. The only thing you love is your ear, nose, and throat pavilion. I've dedicated my life to diseases and head holes. But the one hole I've never been able to fix is the one in my soul. That was amazing, Mo. I'm actually a little turned on. Yeah, hey, I got a gift. As a child, I was bitten by the acting bug. Then it burrowed under my skin and laid eggs in my heart. Now those eggs are hatching, and I the feeling is indescribable. I know what you mean. Our dog had that. 
Looks like my character gets back together with that evil Contessa. The one with the amulet? Precisely. <laughs> then I get in a skydiving accident and have to be oh, rushed to the graveyard. <laughs> They're killing off Dr. Tad Winslow. But let me see that. Interior coroner's office. Close up on Dr. Winslow's mangled corpse. Coroner, let's get that brain out and weighed and call it a day. Yep. That does sound kind of bad. Well, if they're gonna stomp on my dreams, the least I can do is go out in a blaze of sour grapes. I love that thing that is uh, makes no sense. Rush to the graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you imagine it is like it, it lines on a page. Yeah. Like, uh, close up. How are they going to get that on TV? Close up on Mangled Corpse. Let's get that brain out. <laughs> I When I was watching this again, I was surprised because I thought I remembered how the character died. And then I, I or was supposed to die in this sequence. And then I realized I was thinking about uh, Friends. And oh. how Dr. Drake Ramore dies falling down an elevator shaft. That's great. I love that uh, that bit where he falls down the elevator shaft and they have to be clear, like, no, he definitely died. <laughs> Though I think in a later episode, he gets to come back as, and then he, uh, Drake Ramore lived. There, yes, I, I, my, my, my friend's knowledge is rusty at this point. Um, I had to look up the death just to make sure I was thinking of the right thing. And I learned that uh, Joe Lieberman complained about that Friends episode because there was a whole talk <laughs> about condoms. Wow, right. It's where they there's only one condom in the house. And will, you know, Rachel or Courtney, uh, uh, Courtney Cox, Monica, Monica <laughs> who will be the one to use it? And they're kind of arguing over it. Well, Joe Lieberman was appalled, just just so you guys know. That episode, yeah, that episode, I mean, it's just like, just do oral and hand stuff then. <laughs> if they, come on. It's not a, they treat it like, oh, the night's over. No, no, using the condom. But Figure uh, it out. Right? Yeah, come on. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, uh, that Drake Ramore thing too, I, I always wondered if that was like, an internal joke in the show because he gets killed off because his actor, he was bragging that he writes all of his lines. And I wonder if it was like actually a writer on the show was mad at one of the actors saying like, Oh, he improvised a lot actually for the sake of me and our listeners. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> on, on, on friends, on friends, uh, the character, you know, Joey's on the soap opera and he is killed off after doing an interview in which he claims that he writes the lines for his character. Okay. Yeah, they. Uh, I think he comes by in a body... No, I'm thinking of a different joke from Friends. And The body bag joke is when he thinks he's going to be on homicide life on the streets, but then uh, a body bag walks by and he's like, oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this I've awakening so many Friends memories here with none of the homophobic jokes, and I deleted that from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so mo decides he's gonna burn every bridge on his way out it's gonna he's going to be just a total asshole about it uh though actually when you know the twist at the end here why is it why is a dream sequence describing in detail like a corp being cut up by the uh coroner it's a nightmare i think sure okay <laughs> yeah i can go with that that's fine it's not that, a that it's, it's much easier for me to suspend disbelief about that than uh, Homer and Moe's revenge plan, which I have real trouble with. I think we're gonna burn down the building. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, uh, not not that. I mean, I mean the oh. uh, what they actually end up doing. 
uh, which requires them to be filming the soap opera live. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I they definitely know what they're doing here because there are so many things you have to buy into. Like, number one, the soap opera is live. Number two, they wouldn't just turn off the cameras immediately. I think that's why they cop to it when the producers are like, no, no, let him talk. Yeah, and then waiting till the last second, now. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah apparently, Larry Doyle bases on, like, Tootsie. Because oh, there's a similar okay. thing in Tootsie. Uh, I haven't seen it, apparently. But apparently there's like a big confession on the air. And uh, it's, it's allowed to play. No one's just like, okay, turn this off. This is dangerous. We can't let this happen. At least on Lisa the Simpson, they have a line of saying like, no, don't. I'm trying to get fired. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that, yeah. That, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, that is very funny. <laughs> but also, again, with a horny episode like this one, they cut to Mo in a hot tub with a woman who is seemingly topless. Yeah. Like there's so much, so much boobs in this episode. Uh, but, and she does have her amulet on as described though. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, I, I guess in Springfield, they still do soap operas, the old fashioned way of being a live teleplay like they did in the fifties. As the scene's about to play out, Homer walks in with sexy results. <laughs> Dr. Winslow! Why, who are you? I am an angel from the future! Angel? What the f***? <laughs> Should I cut him off? No. Let's see where this is going. And what do you have to tell us, oh angel of the future? You're going to die in a skydiving accident. How tragic. Tell me more. Gabriella's baby shower will be invaded by terrorists with sexy results. Ooh, that's unexpected. What else? Well... Sister Bernadette will leave the convent and start a softball team with sexy results. What's Dad doing on the show? <laughs> Who cares? He's dishing out the dirt. And only then do we find out that Professor Galloway's half-sister is plotting to take over international perfume and wine. <laughs> he just gave away a year's worth of storylines. Cut him off. Now. <laughs> uh i love marge underlining sexy, sexy results twice <laughs> so it's, great. it's a fun but also very strange joke that the guy says fudge and they bleep it yeah i, I, I always enjoyed that. that yeah i never caught that till today uh they, they leave just enough in that you can tell it's fudge at the end like is there but uh uh, but but okay i also i've said before many times like i think this should be a meme but i think homer coming in is the angel who spoils everything mm. i think that could totally be a meme like homer the spoiler angel in a tweet spoils movies or whatever we at least need to cop uh you know with sexy results we need to steal that yes yeah with sexy these look to the camera as he says with sexy results uh and i i mean Homer's outfit is also crazy, but Homer is a crazy sitcom character in this sequence here, too. And another very insider joke I didn't realize until listening to the commentary the first time was that the just the different types of paper and what that means in movie. I think this was the first joke about uh, script pages being in different colors I'd heard before. Which is, is usually not about a dream sequence, but uh, I, I it, it works in this context. Yeah, usually, uh, as they explained on the commentary, you start with white paper in a script, and if you do rewrites, the rewritten pages are then on, like, pink page. Yeah. Or, and if you keep doing rewrites, there's more and more colors. And they, they say on the commentary, if you get to Goldenrod, you've done quite a lot of re <laughs> rewrites. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, I the only thing I can remember uh, before this hearing about like scripts on different pages was like in interviews about the X Files movie, they said, "Oh, these are printed on unzeroxable paper, like mm. red text on red paper, so you can't spoil everything." Kind of thing. I and I think Scream Scream talked a lot about how they couldn't be spoiled. I recall. I think the Simpsons movie was like that too. Mm, oh yeah, yeah. Though they rewrote that so many times that even when I read spoilers, they're like, "Oh, Aaron Brockovich is in the Simpsons movie." It's like, no, she is not. Oh no, what could have been? Uh, and uh, yes, we get, you know, I thought I said that once Lindsay Nagel was fully established earlier in the season that there were never other cousins of Lindsay Nagel, but this is a cousin of Lindsay Definitely, Nagel. Definitely, yeah. yeah. She's more of a producer than an executive, but she serves the same role, like the very mm. cynical businesswoman. They really were not into cynical businesswomen who represented power in movie no. television <laughs> structure back then. Let's take them down. <laughs> I mean, they they're bad at guys who are executives in this season, too. But there's there's something specific about the energy they give to Lindsay Nagel as a note giving woman, I think. Uh, but yes, the uh, Mo finds out he is fired. <laughs> yes. What the hell are you doing? Sticking it to you for killing off my character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoa! You idiot. Dr. Winslow was only going to die in a dream. What? Pink pages <laughs> always mean a dream. I thought dreams was on Goldenrod. No, Goldenrod is for coma fantasies. I see. So, uh, what time tomorrow? <laughs> Escort these men out. Now. Get your hands off me. Get off. I don't need your stinking show anyway. With a mug like this, I can get on any soap in Springfield. And then the accident happened. <laughs> I forgot that it just fell on his head. It's a yeah, great drawing. Which should decapitate a man, I would think, or at least break his neck. But uh, but hey, we're in a cartoon world here. I I I definitely recall in my first viewing of this at, at 17, uh, thinking like, looking at the clock and going, wait, there's really not a lot of time left. How's Mo going to, is Mo keeping this face? Like once he said... Uh, that he was leaving and slammed the door. That's when I realized, like, all right, okay, the face is going <laughs> away, too. He's not just losing the job. And uh, we get a reference to the classic Buster Keaton gag, except this time uh, he does not dot. There isn't a window hole in it. It just crushes his face, which should have just mangled his face. It's a weird line they put in there like, oh, they told me I'm not supposed to put any pressure on it, which I guess is how it reverts, is if you... Right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, trying to trying to decipher the logic of, of what happens to his face feels like a, a futile uh, effort. But I, I, I appreciate that line. Um, I think I find that line funnier than the than the kind of ending bit, because uh, it's it's such a half assed explanation that it's like in and of itself very funny to me yes and, i yeah. mean Moe's really underselling the danger he's in he's worried about pressure on his face when there's like a part of a set crushing his <laughs> yeah. skull it's not like i can't breathe or or, or also just making choking noises yeah because like, oh. it seems to that the top of it is on his neck but yeah it this all has he to happen we should not have survived it we can yes. all agree on, on that uh but instead his face is revealed and it's back to the old mo face and he's uh he then reflects on his old life what what sorry about your face mo nah it's just as well that handsome face was nice but it was too much maintenance i had to wash it rub it with neat's foot oil you did me a favor homer and to think i was about to sell the bar to hooters yeah you were oh well i guess that wraps it up <laughs> there's one thing i don't get though 
Well, my face was crushed. Why did it go back to my old face? I mean, shouldn't it have turned into some kind of third face that was different? <laughs> Don't make no... <laughs> Perfect time right. for that music to cut in. I, yeah. I, I do enjoy that. <laughs> First off, let me complain again about horny Homer. I don't like Homer being horny and him welcoming a Hooters in the place of Moe's. I I don't know. That's uh, I just don't like when Homer's too horny. I, I don't think you enjoy a Hooters experience over Moe's. Not, yeah. not as like an, an every night thing. He'd miss the day. I know. It's a Hooters is a family establishment. <laughs> uh, but but yes, also the I love the posing on Moe's. One thing I, I don't get, though, like he kind of has like a jacket, <laughs> his dish rag over his shoulder. So it's almost like a Columbo type of thing or just like uh, the end of an old sitcom kind of thing. I was reading some review of this episode on and by reading a review, I mean reading a quote on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, and it was someone complaining about this meta ending and how they had used it several times. And I was trying to think of other times they had sort of acknowledged the the very sitcom thing of reverting back to the norm at the end of an episode with like a massive change. I, I can't I can't specifically think of very many examples. Oh, I, I thought about the end of, of Das Boost with, uh, you know, yes. the sort of like half-assed Mo Save Them ending. Are there others that I'm forgetting? Well, uh, I can think of a yeah. few. Uh, well, the reversion thing you mentioned remind me of King Sized Homer, where Burns is going to make Homer exercise off his weight loss, and then at the end he's like, "I'll just play for the blasted liposuction." That's it. Like, uh, but isn't uh, also I think it's uh, Homer loves Ned, where it's like next week on the Simpsons, yes, yeah, and it's just like he just says "screw you, Flanders" when he walks by because Lisa's like, "Oh my God, is Dad actually friends with Flanders?" And then you see next week and Homer hates him again. Yes, and they have to go to the sleep in a haunted mansion. That's right. That one's even better because it is just like by being the next episode of the Simpsons, it reverted without it even being explained on camera. <laughs> Uh, and they're back to I mean, another the only, I mean, the only, like, I, I obviously think of the Armin, Armin uh, Tamsarian episode in terms of, like, a massive character change that's in, that is never addressed again under penalty of death. Yes. Um, or whatever it is. Uh, so I guess that's the, the best comparison, but I, I don't mind the ending personally. Yeah, I do, like, I'm a fan of these jokes where they have to acknowledge, like, we have to hit the button, and uh, it's so contrived that we're just going to shrug and admit it, because yeah. every sitcom has to do this in in this in this fashion in this style though i was talking to you bob before recording that this is this is a lot of this in this season so yeah grift of the magi nine episodes ago eight episodes ago that ended with them going like here's a bunch of christmas endings at once to explain away how the school got their money back and then they just kind of did a lot of like they did bill clinton shrugging at the end like eh, what you gonna do like they did and i mean right before this one right before this one is missionary impossible yeah that's the worst uh, example i mean it's a, the best example but it's the worst version of this because yeah. it's just like well there is no resolution yes homer is about to fall into lava with lisa jr and then betty white cuts in and goes like oh that homer anyway and then it's just like i i think it uh, it feels like a just defensiveness on their part of mm. just like look we know you're gonna complain on no homer so we're going to let you know. We know you'll complain, so screw you. In this case, I find it's more acceptable because uh, most story is over. Mm -hmm. They just need to change his face. In many cases, the story isn't over, or they find a cheap way out of it. I mean, yeah, this is, this is there is a very cheap uh, deus ex machina of, of his head being crushed, but there is an explanation. Mm -hmm. So we do see what happens, and he did have pressure applied to it. 
which he was expressly told not to do. <laughs> it it does at least fit of like a story had a beginning, middle, and end. It wasn't that the ending was coming and then they ran out of pages and they just have to have Betty White come in and be like, there's no way to get home or out of lava, uh, so forget it. <laughs> and by the way, Neat's foot oil is used to treat uh, leather, so uh, there you go. That's the joke, <laughs> yeah. that he was putting leather treatment on his face. <laughs> Uh, but I do think any any good use of like bah, 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 though you know also the mansion family ended with Homer like crying over the credits and him going like that it's not exactly the same but it was Homer like being given a lesson and then going like no I reject the lesson mm -hmm. I didn't learn any lesson from this and then there was also the weird ending to the football game where the le the leg flies off of a guy and then Hibbert just goes like eh, more work for me exactly yeah, like, that's that's in faith off that's the one but I I do think they were doing it a lot at this point this one is funny even I laughed at the end of Missionary Impossible when we did it but it's such a cop-out but then again the last season they had the Loch Ness Monster that was uh, almost as much of a cop-out as this too I think they were just being they're personally tickled by these non-endings mm -hmm. and they got a little excessive I agree yeah it gets excessive but it is funny and I mean their main job is to be funny so I can't I don't want to complain too much not that I haven't complained this entire podcast, <laughs> but I mean, you know, normally. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that happens, obviously, is that the show becomes more heightened and they're doing more episodes like this is you kind of have to have these cheat endings because otherwise it won't really work. If you're going to have every episode be a reset, but you also want to take things to the extreme and give a character an entirely different face, you kind of have to take some sort of narrative shortcut there. But uh, I, this is a this was a fun episode, at least for like Mo sillies. I mean, Mo's always a fun guy to hang around with, with his the disgustingness, yeah. and his, his horribleness as a person. It feels like a breath of fresh air in this part of the season, because spring of 2000 was like a, just a weird, dark, ugly time for the show with all of these famously uh, hated episodes and mods death. I feel like it's like, ah, this is just, just like a regular episode full of yucks. Mm -hmm. no, and I welcomed it. <laughs> no. I, I, uh, I mean, yeah, watching it again, I was actually surprised because I do have a lot of memories of watching it at the time or watching these episodes and being put off by the direction the show was going in and I, I, I don't know watching it now it seems it seems pretty harmless and 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 funny and uh, a little bit more cohesive story-wise than some of the episodes surrounding it mm -hmm. yeah I'm starting to think 17 year old me was maybe too harsh on these <laughs> things and was uh, was maybe releasing some uh, other pent-up aggressions in the direction <laughs> of Simpsons that in an unhealthy way maybe though well I, just I mean is this the same this is this the same season as Saddlesword Galactica oh yeah yeah I didn't yeah, even hate so, that I mean, one you know, we're, we're we're in very different you know this feels more much more grounded e even even with the uh you know kind of sci-fi fantasy element of uh someone getting a new face and then losing it very easily yeah I and, feel, then, and there's no kid rock in this one so that's a positive too i feel like i said it before on this podcast but there are more important things to be mad about now but i think up until a certain point in time like being mad at a tv show could be part of your personality like i hate family guy and i'm gonna mm -hmm. talk about it all the damn time i was one of those people yep. and with Me simpsons too. as well so yeah. i'm glad we've moved past that <laughs> as a culture <laughs> i remember being in a uh Oh God! What what do you even call it? You I, where you it was like not a message board, but you you would it was like an email list, like a, and you would email people with your Simpsons opinions. It, you know what do you, what do you call that? A listserv? I don't. Yeah, listserv would be right. Yeah, 
this this was like pre you know this was early i don't know must have been around this time and i remember um writing a really sad post about how i wanted to understand why the show had changed and why i didn't like as much as i used to and i i remember someone writing back and just saying yeah mike scully yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's who you blamed then yeah. i i was part of the community back then uh reading all tv simpsons the news group and just every day was just uh calling out different writers names like who do we hate this week uh i but i yeah, I, I agree that, you know, somewhat re- revisiting these episodes, I enjoy them a lot more than I remember at the time. I think a lot of that is the nostalgia of it, but also kind of taking in the context of, of how far the show, you know, has gone and how much it's changed since then, that there's something kind of like as wacky as this was, it's like relatively down to earth. I agree. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be back for season 24 and, and, and have plenty of the show. <laughs> we will still be doing it then. For sure. Yes. yes yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but Lewis, thank you so much for coming on. It was it was great to have you back. I mean, what uh, what do you want to promote? Uh, what's what's going on with you these days? Absolutely nothing. Um, nothing to promote. By the time this comes out, maybe I'll have started uh, the podcast. I keep threatening to start, but for the time being, people could just follow me on Twitter at Lewis Peitzman. It's a, it's a fun Twitter feed to read. Even it's it's been a, a light in uh, in my days on the the poison site that is Twitter. <laughs> I've I've enjoyed your feed. Thank you. I appreciate that. So thanks again to Lewis for being on the show. Please check out all of his stuff. And as for us, if you want to check out more of our stuff and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Sign up for five bucks a month. You'll get just that, but also everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes all the bonus podcasts we made since we started this Patreon in the summer of 2017. Three plus years worth of bonus podcasts, over 100. That includes all of our limited miniseries, the most recent of which was Talking Mission Hill, but coming very soon this week, in fact, will be launching Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 2, wrapping up the rest of Talking Futurama Season 2 using the Talking Simpsons treatment that's only on the Patreon and then you can get the rest of the episode if you sign up for 5 bucks a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And Henry can tell everyone what's happening at the $10 level one extra long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher. Yes, Bob's talking about the What a Cartoon Movie podcast. All of the $5 bonuses you get if you sign up at 10 bucks a month and you get the monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast where we cover a different animated feature film each month. This month, uh, you know, it hasn't been decided yet at the time of this recording, but I'm sure it's something scary. Last month, we did the direct-to-video Disney classic Aladdin's Return of Jafar. And there is a giant back catalog of them. If you sign up now, over 100 hours of additional premium podcasts you can only hear if you are a $10 and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talking Simpson. So please consider signing up right now. So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast, by the way, is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast about old video games. Find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two exclusive episodes every month at patreon.com slash retronauts. Henry, how about you? Why, you can follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. By the time you're listening to this, I'm sure I'm having a lot of stuff to say on Twitter. Boy, oh boy. But also, if you're following somebody on Twitter, aside from H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G, you should be following at Talk Simpsons Pod. At Talk Simpsons Pod. That is the official Twitter account of this podcast and our sister podcast, What a Cartoon. Anytime new stuff goes live, either on the free feed, on Patreon, or any cool stuff that's going on in our world, 
you will stay informed if you follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. So please consider doing that if you haven't today. Thank you so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next time for Bart to the Future, and we'll see you then. Drunk. Duffman says a lot of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs>